0: Thank you Jesus Oh we bless you Lord We bless you Jesus Oh hallelujah hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Beatsy, tell us what's on your heart.
1: I come in here and I sat out and I couldn't feel anything at all. And the Lord told me, He said, is it that I don't deserve the praise that's coming to me? God performed a miracle at my home a few days ago. Stacy is shy. But you know what? When God does this, we owe him the praise and the honor. But that girl had walked around my house, her nose bleeding, she would have stuff stuck up in it, trying to be able to even go and she went in the back room again. I said, Lord, we're tired of this. We're living so far below what you said we could do. And there's a scripture in the Bible, it's in Ezekiel, and it's called the Blood Scripture. I called Stacy, and I said, Baby, kneel down right here. And I said, Lord, God, don't tell me you can't heal, because I know better. And we've come before you. We need healing. And you told us we can have it. Now, you suffer them stripes. It ain't for no just a reason, but you suffered for us. God, we're fixing to ask something, and we expect you to do it. We pray together that night, Nose ain't bled another drop. I mean, instant. No, waiting, but it was instant. She shouted all over the place. That nose, right now, no. But that nose was so, it was horrible. The child couldn't, she couldn't do anything. blood all the time. But my God, don't you tell me this age ain't for healing. Oh, no. This age is for healing. It's for deliverance. It's for worship. And when God does something for you, you better tell it because he deserves it. Oh, let's give him praise right now.
0: Thank you, Jesus. He's a healer. He's a healer. He's a healer. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 8. Amen. Amen. While you're standing, can we, can we pause the live feed or no? Can you turn it off and then turn it back on? You're good. Okay. I want to share with you what the Lord's been dealing with me about this week, because I want each of us to be a part, whether you give $1, you give 50 cents, it doesn't matter. If all you can do is give 50 cents, give 50 cents. But the Lord's been dealing with me about taking up a special offering for Brother Poe. You know that I have not pressed this church for special offerings other than the major two times a year that we give to our missions and we give to our legacy. But Brother Poe's right at 70 years old, and that that is on the upside for an evangelist, a traveling evangelist. And nobody really, really knows the sacrifices that Brother Poe has made preaching at small churches, sleeping in Sunday school rooms, getting paid in enchiladas. Nobody sees all that. And, and I, I hope I'm not divulging confidential information. I don't think it's confidential. It's probably personal, but I, it'll, it'll, it'll set up why I feel like I feel. Several years ago, uh, his grandbaby was there was a custody battle, and uh, he sold his truck to fight for his grandbaby, and got another truck eventually, and then with no notes, and then now the Lord opened up a door for him to get a brand new truck. I got to see it; it's beautiful but he he owes about $11,000 on it. And as soon as I saw the truck, the Lord spoke to me and said, y'all are going to pay that truck off. And last night, all through the night, every time I woke up, the Lord spoke to me and said, y'all are going to pay that truck off. And so we're going to take up a special offering. And I don't care if all you can give is 50 cents to a dollar. It doesn't matter. The church is going to make up the difference. But I believe that this is would be a major blessing. He has no idea. This is the first I've even told any soul about what the Lord's been telling me. I want our ushers to come. If you need time till next week, that's fine. You can you can give next week. But uh, we're going to do this as a blessing to Brother Poe and Sister Poe. And, and I believe that we'll, in doing so, will please the Lord. I want us to bow our heads and pray right now. Lord, whatever you lay on our heart, we just want to be a blessing. God, it's not how much we give, it's our, it's our obedience in what the prompting of the Spirit is telling us to do. God, I pray that you would lay upon our heart, our spirit, something to give. You understand our finances, Lord, but we also want to stretch our faith. God, I thank you for this evangelist and what he's done in our church, in our life. And God, you've raised him up for such a time as this. And God, we just want to be a blessing in return. In Jesus' name, Amen. Ushers, if you'll just go through and uh, just let them give. If you need to go write it on a card or on an envelope in the back and give that, maybe say, "Brother Poe, special offering or whatnot." Uh, then I believe um, will be a blessing. Haven't you enjoyed what the Lord has been doing during this revival? <laughs> amen. 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 You could turn the live feed back on. I would ask that you would keep that private. And uh, we'll just bless Brother Poe uh, when, when I feel it's appropriate before he leaves. Amen. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. He arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I? Except some man should guide me. He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized?' And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. I want to preach for a little while tonight on this thought, your destiny starts with a decision. Your destiny starts with a decision. Could you lift your hands one more time? Father, give us ears to hear what the spirit wants to convey to the church. God, we bind everything that would try to distract, everything that would try to deter our attention. God, I pray the Holy Ghost would have free liberty in your word, free course. In Jesus' precious name, let's clap our hands right now under the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Life is full of hindrances. Anybody ever have one of those days where you wanted to go to bed and start over? Remember, I told you my favorite book growing up was Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Those days where it, it 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 doesn't seem like anything you touch is gonna go right. I decided to go hunting the other day. Be just relaxing. And it was far from relaxing. I hadn't shot my crossbow in a while. And so when I ran out the door, I just grabbed it and I saw four arrows and I thought, well, we're good to go. I'm an ace shot. All I need is one anyway, right, Brother Black? And so I wanted to bring my headphones and I brought my headphones and my, my noise canceling headphones and, and got there and I had a time I wanted to be there and started walking about halfway to the stand and realized I forgot my headphones. Turned around, walked all the way back to the truck, got my headphones, walked back to the stand, got in the stand, I said, All right, I'm ready. Pulled the crossbow back. Went to put the arrow in, realized I had only one broadhead arrow. And I thought, well, all I need's one anyway. We're good. Well, it wouldn't work. The, the safety mechanism was messed up. It was on dry, dry fire prevention. And I'm, I don't know anything about a crossbow other than what they showed me, pull the string back. And I said, well, what am I going to do here? So I started watching YouTube videos trying to figure out how to fix this thing. Leaned my arrow up against the, the side of the stand, and I said, I'm going to use a practice arrow in case something or another arrow. Looked at the three. They were practice arrows. Dull as could be. I said, well, hope I only need one arrow. Got it finally figured out. Got it fixed. Went to grab my regular arrow, and the little band came off the end, and the things are laying in the ground. And I'm going, where's my arrow? How in the world does this happen? I didn't even touch nothing. So I get on my hands and knees looking for this little, tiny, little rubber band. Can't find it. So I don't have an arrow. So I put a practice arrow in. And I said, well, I'll just use a practice arrow. And finally, I just gave up. About six twenty, I said, "Ain't no deer coming out." This whole stand has been shaking the whole time with my fat hide looking for this little band in this thing. It was one of those brother spanky. I'd have been better off not even going hunting. Life is full of obstacles, full of things that would try to try to push you off track. The word destiny is used rather loosely. With a lack of misunderstanding at the, at the core, rather with an abundance of misunderstanding at the core of that misconception. See, people think a destiny is somewhat mysterious. How will I get where I want to be? What do I need to achieve my goals? I, I can, I can tell you the simplest way tonight to step into your destiny. Your destiny starts with a decision. A destiny is nothing more than decisions made one right right after the other that point you in in the direction that your heart desires to go. If you fail to make decisions, then your destiny will never be achieved. You know, you can't make it through a day without making a decision. It is estimated according to psychology today that the average adult makes approximately 35,000 decisions per day, per day. Now, a lot of these are subconscious. You don't sit there and write down 35,000 decisions, but almost every few seconds, your body is making some type of decision as to what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say, and Etc., etc. Every day, pictures are formed in your mind. What is a dream? A dream is nothing more than a mental picture of what you uh, aspire to do and aspire to be. A dream is nothing more than a picture painted in your mind. And your life will always move in the direction of the dominant image you create in your mind. That's why it's so important to make sure that you get a picture of the right things in your mind. This is why the word of God is so valuable. Because it's It pushes out the negative. It pushes out the things of the world. And it puts the right picture in your mind. It paints a picture of grace. It paints a picture of redemption. It paints a picture of forgiveness. A promise from God is a revelation of God's divine intentions in your life through scripture. The key is to turn the promise into a picture. And you will never possess the promises of God. Until you see them in your mind. And if you can see them. Then God can bring them to pass. In other words if there is no vision for the future there is no power in the present you've got to see yourself forgiven before God can forgive you you've got to see yourself healed before God can heal you. You've got to see yourself delivered before God can deliver you. It doesn't matter what God can do if you can't see it then it It can't happen. Satan is painting pictures of despair, dysfunction, despondency, and disaster. But we have got to realize tonight that God is trying to get our eyes on something different. The psalmist said, I will lift mine eyes from the hills uh, unto the hills uh, from whence cometh my help. If he was looking uh, at the hills for his help, uh, then that tells me that he was in the valley and he was surrounded by the darkness uh, of what he was going through. And you can either get your eyes on what your face or you can get your eyes on the one that's gonna bring you through it. You can get your eyes on a picture of what your redeemer looks like. Don't let Satan paint the wrong picture in your mind. With this in mind, we join Philip as the angel of the Lord instructs him to go to Gaza. It says in scripture that it's a desert place. It's a dry place. But God was dealing with a man in that dry place. Listen to me tonight. Very rarely will God deal with someone when they're in the luxuries and abundance of life. You don't see a lot of people turning to God when they got big bank accounts and when they've got everything at their disposal. And there's no struggle in life. But you know what God will do? God will let life get dry. God will let somebody get in a dry place if it will save their soul. Because you're open to God when you can't fix your own problems. You're open to the Spirit when you can't pay your bills, when you can't fix your sickness, when your your family's falling apart. I'm talking about dry places. Hey, friend, if you're in a dry place tonight, could it be that God's trying to get your attention because he wants to show you who he is in a greater measure? Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. He was in a dry place. Somebody say dry place. Verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Keep in mind they didn't have the they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. But you can find Jesus all in the Old Testament. The Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran to him and He heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and this is what he asked him: "Understandest thou what thou readest?" He said, "How can I? Except some man should guide me. Anybody ever been there? You're reading it out of duty and desire, but it don't make sense." He said, "Hey, I'm doing my best. I'm hungry." But I don't understand what I'm reading. And 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 he said And he desired, Philip, that he would come up and sit with him. God was trying to give him a picture, but he didn't understand. And a lot of people give up too early because they don't understand. But I want to remind you tonight, God wants you to understand more than you want to understand. You don't give up just because you can't figure it out. You say, God, give me a clear picture of what you're trying to tell me. That's why God gives revelation. What is revelation? It's the supernatural ability to understand. What did he tell Peter? He said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood Has not revealed it. In other words, you didn't learn this in a school. You didn't learn this from your parents. There's nobody on this earth that taught you. But this is the supernatural ability to understand. And that revelation gave him a picture in his mind. You know, the truth is this. Left to our own knowledge, none of us would understand this book. Without that supernatural touch of God, That illuminates it in our spirit and in our mind. We wouldn't, oh, we could read it, but we wouldn't understand what this book's trying to do and what it's trying to say. And he says the place of the scripture which he read was this. This is Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Isaiah wrote this not understanding who Jesus was going to be. He wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost as a prophetic voice for what was to come. But here they are on the other side of the prophecy. And now the picture that Isaiah was trying to paint makes a whole lot more sense because this is what Philip, the eunuch, answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Now they're on the other side of the prophecy and Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. Hey friend, let me tell you the greatest thing that we could ever declare and preach. It's not on faith. It's not on healing. It's not on worship. But the greatest thing that we could ever preach from a pulpit is to preach Jesus. Because if anybody can get a hold of Jesus, then they'll get everything else. Oh, come on, clap your hands right now. If there's one thing that we ought to know and that we ought to be so comfortable with that it rolls off our tongue effortlessly. His hero is of the Lord our God is one Lord. Hey, I believe that when Philip was talking to him, he told him that Jesus came to this earth and he died for our sins. He was the propitiation for our sins. For there is one mediator between God and me, and the man Christ Jesus, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, and that we ought to be we ought to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Hey, God sent me here today to tell you that that's still the greatest message that we could ever have. I'm afraid that we get the wrong picture in our mind because the greatest picture you could have is who God is and then who you are in God. That's the two things that the enemy wants to mess up the most. Is to distort who God is and then he wants to distort who you are in God. Because if you don't see who you are in God, then you'll never live up to the potential that God has called you to be. And we got people that are living way beneath their calling, way beneath what God designed for them because in their mind, they cannot see what grace is really like. They cannot understand what mercy is really like. And as long as you live spiritually with no confidence in the grace and the mercy of God, then you'll be in a revolving door doing nothing but asking God for forgiveness every single time you pray. Friend, we cannot measure the grace of God. We cannot measure the mercy of God. There is no depth. The depths of God are unsearchable. I don't understand it, but I know what this book says. That, that book says if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He says we can come boldly before the throne of grace and and grace and mercy to help at the time of need. That doesn't mean we ought to live with our head down in despondence over our mess-ups and our failures, but know that there's a God that wants us to be saved. So through the Scripture, this picture is being painted in the mind of the eunuch. I gotta repent. I gotta ask God to forgive me of all of my sin. God knows it anyway, but I've got to confess it with my mouth. Acknowledge it. I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. For Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You can't be baptized. Well, you can be baptized in the titles, but that doesn't do anything for your soul. But when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, then all of those sins are washed away, buried with him in baptism. That represents the burial. And then I can begin to worship and praise God. And I can be filled with the Holy Ghost by speaking in another language that no man ever taught me. And that represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life. And I'm born again and able to walk in newness of life. So this picture is painted. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. In other words, they came to a body of water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? See, God gives people opportunities to make decisions that determine their destiny. You know what's so beautiful about this verse I just read? I can't prove it happened and you can't prove it can't. So I'm going to say it could. If you remember where they were at, a desert. When's the last time you saw a body of water in a desert? Could it be that God dipped his finger in, a little, finger in a little piece of sand and said, There's somebody that's gonna pass this way that I'm gonna give a picture of what it means to be saved. And I need to have a body of water prepared right here because they're gonna be they're gonna make a decision. See, God creates services that are not just services. They're just bodies of water that you're passing by. And God's saying, I'm going to give you a chance to make a decision that's going to determine your destiny. You didn't come here by accident, ma'am. You didn't come here by chance, sir. I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened last week or or last month. uh, But God says nobody's going to stand before me and say I didn't have an opportunity. I'm going to stick my my finger in some sand and put a little water right there so you can make a decision you got to make a decision tonight. Either I'm going to go to an altar and respond to God or I'm going to leave the same way that I came. But I've got to make the decision. He saw his opportunity. You know what that body of water was to him? It's what the altar is to us. It's that place of transaction where we act upon what we've heard. How many times has the word of God gone forth and God's pricked our hearts? Brother Spanky stirred our spirit and we knew without a, without a doubt, God's talking to me. Yet when it was time to go to an altar, we were hindered. We didn't act upon the what we heard. Hey, I'm just as guilty as anybody else in this room. I'm not exempt from it. And so he found, he was at that place of decision, and this is what he had to ask himself. What does hinder me to be baptized? He had to look at himself with an honest eye and say, what's hindering me right now? What is stopping me? from obeying the word of the Lord that I just heard. And we all have to ask ourselves that. What is stopping us from responding to the word of the Lord? His destiny was to be saved, but that destiny started with a decision. Every time you come to church, You've got to ask yourself that same question. What's hindering me from responding to the word of the Lord? I want, to, I want to talk about, real quickly, three things that are hindering us from responding to the word of the Lord. First, we are constantly hindered by the voice of the enemy because the enemy does not want you to live for God. But this is why Peter said, Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That old enemy, don't you think for a moment that he's dumb? He knows exactly what buttons to push. You ever know those people that they know what to say to just set you off? They call it pushing the buttons. The enemy knows exactly what to do to stop you from responding to the Lord. Be sober. Be vigilant. Understand that you've got to live for God with an awareness of the tricks of the enemy. And he will use condemnation to push you further away from God. Oh, you're not going to hear a voice, but it's going to be thoughts in your mind that sound like this. You know you shouldn't even go to that altar. You know what you did yesterday. You know you got mad. You said things that you shouldn't have said. You acted ways that you should. How could you even go to church? You couldn't you shouldn't even be lifting up your hands and clapping. That's what the enemy does in our mind. Those thoughts that just won't leave us alone. That's condemnation. That's the enemy trying to push you away from God. But this is what the Bible says. For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hey, Satan is the father of lies. So, how do you deal with those thoughts? You've got to learn to do the opposite of what you're thinking. If he says you shouldn't go to the altar, then you ought to go to the altar. If he says you shouldn't clap your hands, you ought to clap your hands. If he says that you shouldn't jump, how can Could you do that? You've got to learn that he is trying to stop me from advancing and responding to God. Hey, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. God will never condemn you, but he will convict you. Don't listen to those lies of the enemy trying to stop you from coming to that altar. All that is, is the enemy hindering you from responding to God. How many services go by that we give that thought place in our mind? We let the enemy speak to us and stop us from responding to God. There's people in this building that I know the Holy Ghost has nudged you time and time again to do something in the Spirit, to go to that altar, to pray, and yet you fight against it. You've got to stop fighting against it and realize that you've got to to respond to God. Let me tell you the second thing that hinders us is self. Satan hinders us. There's this thing called pride. Selfishness is the byproduct of the fall of humanity because sin is selfish. Sin puts you above, every, uh, above everybody else. And many people have walked away from a service knowing that God was dealing with them, but their pride was hindering them. I remember an evangelist one time. Walked to a pulpit at this at a church. I preached at the church, and the Lord said, "If you'll take your necktie off and tie it around your head and start worshiping, and tell all the men to do it, I'll reveal the stronghold of this church." So he took his tie off. Said the Lord, "Said all the men, put your neckties on your head and start worshiping." Him and two other men, the only ones out of the whole church of over 200 people that did it. And the Lord said, Pride is the stronghold of this church, that church that he was preaching at. Because they wouldn't be, they weren't willing to look foolish. They weren't willing, they they were so. Bound by pride. It was pride that caused Adam and Eve to hide behind man-made coverings because they didn't want to be exposed. And many people hide behind those same fig leaves and false identities. But can I tell you, the greatest liberty you'll feel is when you take the fig leaves off and you just say, God, here's my problem. I got them. I'm coming to you, God, because you're the only one that can help me with my problems. You're the only one that can fix my situation. Bible said uh, you, you, uh, in, in, in Matthew 16, 24, if any man will come after me, what's the first requirement? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When Jesus went to those 12 disciples and he, and he said, follow me, they had a decision to make. Either I'm going to follow him or I'm going to just keep doing what I want to do. And we all have that same decision. Either we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to put our pride aside and we're going to put all of our flaws. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We can't let pride hinder us from responding to God. Then there's a third element called society. There's Satan, there's self, and there's society. Anybody ever heard of peer pressure? Peer pressure. There's a reason Peter told them on the day of Pentecost, save yourselves from this untoward generation because nobody can save yourself for you. You have to save yourself. Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Society is is, is going headlong for destruction. And the gate is so wide because there's so many following each other. But it takes those that don't want to be like the crowd. It takes those that want to be set apart from society. It takes those that don't want to blend in with the world. That I want to go in at the straight gate. I'm not, I can't sit through a service and be worried about what other people in the service think about me. Because when I stand before God, I can't say, well, they didn't move and and they didn't move in that service. No, 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 no. When I stand before God, I don't have the the luxury of pointing fingers. It's going to be me and God. And so if it's going to be me and God up there, it's going to be me and God down here. I can't worry, and you can't worry about what other people do. Oh, hallelujah. I got to be like Blind balls. I need a miracle so bad I don't care if they're telling me to stop I don't care if they're telling me to be quiet Jesus now son of David I need a miracle right now this is my moment of decision this is my spot in the sand I don't know if I'm going to get another chance I need it now oh come on if you believe it stand and clap your hands under the Lord right now Oh, hallelujah. Come on, right now. I feel something in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to let anything stop me. I'm not going to let anything hinder me. I don't care what people say. I don't care what my pride says. I don't care what the enemy's telling me. I got to go to an altar. That's that's the point of transaction. You're just one decision tonight. One decision away from your destiny. You know when people should be worried about their destiny and God? When they stop going to the altar. Can you be saved in the back of the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I know this. You got a better chance at an altar. God can do anything. God can save anybody anywhere. But I know me. I got to be at that altar. And there's people tonight that God's reaching for. Wanting just to remind you of his love. Remind you of his mercy. Heads bowed nice and eyes closed right now all over the building. As the Holy Ghost speaks to people. God wants to show himself strong tonight in your life. God wants to remind you who he is. God wants that freshness of the Spirit to be renewed tonight just like it was the very first time you ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You say, preacher, I've never had it before. Well, you've got an opportunity tonight you got a spot in the sand that God has formed especially for you, and it doesn't matter who's around you. It only matters what happens on the inside of you. We can all come and repent of our sin. We can ask God to forgive us fresh and anew. We can let the Spirit of God be renewed in our heart and our life. I want you to grab the hand of somebody next to you right now, if it's appropriate. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray, God. I pray